Well, good morning and welcome to Boiling Springs Baptist Church. We're glad that you guys are here today. This morning is a special Sunday as we celebrate our Scouting Troop 117 each year around this time of the year. We are glad that you're here today for this special Sunday. Again, we are glad that you're here this morning. And as always, I want to turn it over to Dale Bridges. I guess usually I thank the church first, but today I'm going to thank all these leaders for getting uh, their and, and the parents for coming out and bringing their Cub Scouts and their Scouts first. Uh, and uh, because uh, without the parents and, and the leaders, we wouldn't have a Scout troop. Then thanking the church. Uh, without the church as our charter organization, we wouldn't be able to operate. Um, We've got 75 years in uh, of sponsoring a troop here at Bull Springs Baptist, and we're very proud of that fact that um, that we have 75 years of tenure with the BSA, uh, and it's because of people in this church willing to step up and lead and uh, and donate funds, and then the church giving us a place to have a meetings every week uh, for Cub Scouts and scouting. Uh, and uh, so we're, uh, we're very thankful for the church that's uh, willing to support us for so long. Um, also thankful for everybody that come out and helped us this morning at the pancake breakfast. Those of you that missed it, uh, missed some good pancakes. And uh, so uh, it, uh, maybe next year we'll have it again if it, uh, and we'll, you'll get to taste them pancakes. We'll, we'll do it again maybe. Um, but we appreciate everybody that came out and, uh, and enjoyed the pancakes with us and, and made donations. We are gonna to try to use those donations solely for uh, purchasing new tents. Uh, our troop purchased tents in 2010, the last time. And so they're getting uh, a little in disrepair. And uh, so we're gonna to try to purchase some new tents for the boys. Uh, we've got a good group of Cub Scouts coming up. Uh, well, next year, a big group of Cub Scouts and I don't have enough tents to uh, to put all them Cub Scouts in right now. So uh, hopefully they'll all stay with the program and cross over next March uh, and, uh, and we'll have tents to put them in. Uh, but again, we're very thankful. We're glad you joined us here for Scout Sunday this, this Sunday. And uh, we're gonna continue with the service. Thank y'all. Darkness is better this way 
more hymns, number 482, Here I Am, Lord, number 482. If you're able, please stand and join in singing hymn 482.
be seated. As I think about that hymn and all the different things that we bring into the sanctuary, into worship this morning, as I talked with some of you before the worship service and just the things that are going on in life, whether health-related, finance, family-related, job-related, career-related, we come in here and this morning we can join together as one voice and say, here I am, Lord. Have your way in me. I've heard you calling in the night. Can we give testimony of how God has worked and moved in us in the past and what might his plans be for us today at this moment, in this hour? I hope we will be open to allow his voice to speak to us. Daryl, thank you. Where, where's Daryl? There you are. Daryl, thank you for your words this morning. Thank you for your consistent presence and steadfast leadership with our scout troops and shaping young men, young boys into men and all that you and other leaders uh, do on a regular basis. Uh, so thank you for the good pancakes this morning. And uh, we're glad you and, and each of these young men and families are with us today. I understand there may be some scattered throughout the congregation this morning. So let me once again just extend a very special welcome to you. Before I pray, let me just mention a couple things. Thank uh, all of you who have been praying for my dad. He is doing better. Tomorrow, he should be released from the hospital to go to rehab in Hendersonville. Tomorrow will make 14 days, two weeks, that he has been in the hospital in Hendersonville. And just when we begin to get over one hurdle, a little something else comes up. And so thank you very much for your thoughts and prayers. I have felt those as well as my dad this past week. Let's continue to be in prayer for Lib Jones, who is recovering from back surgery and also continue to remember Lana Hinkle. We have other church members who are going through illnesses and setbacks right now, but Lord, but we also know that we have church members that are just struggling in different ways, whether it be some relational things, whether it be, again, career, uh, just things that life tends to throw our way. But I'm grateful that this morning, for this time at this hour, we can come together, bring those concerns to the Lord, lift up our prayers, our thoughts to him in, in song, and... Um, ask him to speak to us. So let's go to the Lord now in a word of prayer. God, as we come to you this morning, remind us once again, Lord, where we're going to go in our sermon this morning. God, help us to remember that you are in charge, that we are your servants. You are God. You are on your throne. You rule and you reign with complete sovereignty. Father, we confess there's a lot of times we wish things would play out differently or that you would decide to do things differently. But Father, we know that you are God and that we are not. And so Father, help us this morning as we come in with the spirit of here I am, Lord. Father, help us to acknowledge the fact that you are God and that we are simply humankind. And that Father, we must look to you for direction, for strength each and every day. Lord, I'm thankful for this service. Yet another opportunity to come together as your people, your imperfect, flawed, and broken people come and seeking a holy God, a perfect God. So Father, as we come into your presence this morning, as we worship you through song, through spoken word, through preaching and prayers, Father, do what only you can do in us. Change us in ways that we need to be changed. Mold us and shape us that we may look more like your son, Jesus Christ, our Savior. Father, as we think about service this morning, as I think about these scouts and the way they demonstrate that here in this community, the way that they seek to honor you in their service, Lord, bless us and challenge us in ways that we may serve you and humanity better. Lord, we do lift up these that are struggling this morning. I thank you for your steadfast presence with my dad and your healing touch with him. Continue, Lord, just to guide him and strengthen his body. 
Lord, I lift up Lib Jones, Lana Hinkle. We lift up the others that are on our hearts and our minds this morning, God, that just need a fresh touch from you. Lord, we thank you again for your presence today. When we leave this place, may we all say it's good to have been in the house of the Lord. We commit to you this time and we ask this prayer in Jesus' name and all of God's people said, amen. Our hymn is hymn number 278, We Are Travelers on a Journey. 278, if you are able, please stand and join in singing. Dear Heavenly Father, we, we do give you thanks and praise for the day. Lord, we thank you for the Boy Scouts and its leaders, Lord. We just, uh, uh, the leaders who sacrifice so much time, Lord, with these Scouts and, and teaching them life lessons and teaching them Christian values, Lord, I'm thankful for them. I'm thankful for the whole Scout program, Lord. Lord we come now to take up an offering, Lord. I ask you to bless it and I ask you, Lord, that... Uh, that it's, it's, it's not more, it's, it's not just money, Lord. It is, it is our time and, and our talents, Lord. I just pray that we give more time in Bible study, in scripture reading, in fellowshipping, and in witnessing, Lord. And also recognizing what our talents and our gifts are, and we use them to glorify your name. Lord, I pray that your spirit is upon each and every one of us this morning. Amen.
thank you choir and thank you ensemble for opening us up earlier in worship this morning. It's a beautiful day, amen? And I am glad that each of you again are here today. I can't say that enough. Um, if you have your Bibles this morning, I invite you to turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17. Chapter 17, verses 7 through 10. You can find the lyrics on the, the lyrics. You can find the words of our Lord on the screen. Um, you can, the Pew Bible there in front of you, and uh, hopefully you brought your Bible with you this morning. And thank you, young men, for taking up our offering this morning. Hear now the words of our Lord in Luke 17, verses 7 through 10. Who among you would say to your slave who has just come in from plowing or tending sheep in the field, come here at once and take your place at the table? Would you not rather say to him, prepare supper for, prepare supper for me, put on your apron and serve me while I eat and drink. Later, you may eat and drink. Do you thank the slave for doing what was commanded? So you also, when you have done all that you were ordered to do, say, we are worthless slaves. We have done only what we ought to have done. I pray now that God would bless the reading and the preaching of his word. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to ask you a question. How many of you have seen a police dog demonstration? You don't, well, you, I guess go ahead and raise your hand. Most of us have hopefully seen that. If you haven't, it is certainly a sight to see. Aiden and I were at an event last fall where uh, the entire crowd was anticipating this moment. Uh, anticipation was building, and uh, the handler and the officer got out there with his dog, and it was quite a sight. Uh, there were hundreds of people around, and that dog sat at attention below the officer. He knew that something was coming. He knew the commands were coming. He did not know when, but the dog sat there and just stared at, at the officer and was waiting for those commands. There were hundreds of people around, a lot of noise, a lot of kids, a lot of distractions, but that dog was only looking at one person throughout that time. Um, the dog was eager, again, to do whatever his master had asked. For a dog to be considered for a police department, it must first pass a basic obedience course, training course. They must be able to obey the commands of their handler without hesitation. The dogs are considered trained and ready for service when they know who's in charge. As I think about this in relationship to our society, we certainly have a chain of command in our society, don't we? The, simp the simplest definition of that is a line of authority and responsibility along which orders are passed. The Boy Scouts have a chain of command, and I've been trying to go over this this week with Daryl, and I think I got it right, and I know I have a lot of people here that can correct me if I am wrong, but it's, first of all, a boy-led troop, and it has an assistant patrol leader and a patrol leader. Am I right so far? Then it has an assistant senior patrol leader, and then the senior patrol leader. All right, I'm still seeing nods, okay. Then you have the assistant scoutmasters, and all of these are abbreviated in your bulletin with names beside them this morning. Assistant Scoutmaster, the Scoutmaster, which is Daryl Bridges, the Troop Committee Chairman, which kind of oversees a lot of the stuff that the Scouts do. Am I still on the right track? And then you have the Executive Head of the Charter Organization. Did I get it right? Which is me, correct? All right. <laughs> um, and so Daryl and I were talking about that this week, and I feel like this is an appropriate message, not only for our scouts this morning, but for each of us to be reminded about this chain of command. In our military, we have a chain of command. 
If the president of the United States as the commander in chief decides that he wants the uh, barracks painted a certain color, he doesn't call the recruits, the new recruits, and just tell them to paint the barracks. But there's a process, there's an order in which that would take place. Instead, he would call most likely the Secretary of Defense, who would then call the Secretary of the Army, who would then contact the Army Chief of Staff, and so on, until the directive finally reaches the drill instructor, who would then order you, the recruit, to paint the barracks. That would be the way that would work. One of Boiling Springs Baptist's own, Gibson Nolan, has recently graduated from basic training uh, in the Marine Corps. He has learned something about the chain of command in the last several months. Operationally, the Marine Corps falls under the command, the control of the Department of the Navy. Just to remind you, the Marine Corps' basic training chain of command is as follows, as I understand it. And maybe Jamie could correct me if this is wrong. You first, you got the recruit. Then you've got the drill instructor. Then you've got the company commander, the battalion commander, the regimental commander, the division commander, the chief of naval education and training, then the commandment of the Marine Corps, secretary of the Navy, secretary of defense, and then the commander-in-chief, the president of the United States. If I'm wrong, Jamie, then you, could, you can correct me later. But as I spent more time than usual this week in a hospital room with dad and traveling back and forth once again, it, uh, tomorrow morning will make two weeks that my dad has been in the hospital. And uh, it has been quite a journey. This week, earlier in the week, things were better. And then he had a major setback and pulled through that. And, and he is uh, doing better today. And I'm glad to report that. But as I was meditating and thinking about the sermon this morning, and we're going to get to the passage and unpack that here in just a minute. But as we think about this chain of command, that also takes place in the hospital as well. As I look around, I know we have a few nurses in the congregation this morning as well. And you know something about that chain of command. I uh, probably would see most the CNAs, the nursing assistants, in my dad's room this week and would talk to them. They would take orders from the head nurse. That head nurse would take orders from either the doctor, the hospitalist, or um, the CNO, the chief nursing officer, or the, uh, the, the charge nurse, I believe, as it says as well. And then above those, we, I didn't have to luckily interact, glad I didn't have to interact with those, but above those we have the medical director and we have the hospital administrator. And again, I'm glad that I did not have to interact with those. But every organization in our society has a chain of command. The point of all these examples is my friends, Christians today, we need to know who's in charge. In our day of easy believism and convenient commitment, we need to remind ourselves that God is in charge and that we have been called to serve him. Let's walk back through the story today in Luke 17, 7 through 10. He says, which of you having a slave plowing or tending sheep will say to him when he has come in from the field, come immediately and sit down and eat. The ruler, the master, would not say to the slave, to the servant, come, sit down and eat and let me serve you. I know you've been working all day, and so here, let me try to help you out. You must be tired. That would not happen. But in verse 8, Jesus says, but will he not say to him, prepare something for me to eat and properly clothe yourself and serve me while I eat and drink, and afterward you may eat and drink. Not only do you need to serve me, but change your clothes, make sure you know, and then serve the meal. So in verse nine, he does not thank the slave because he did the things which were commanded, does he? In verse 10, so you too, when you do all the things which are commanded, you say, we are unworthy slaves. We have done only that which we ought to do. 
Would the ruler or the master thank the slave for all that he has done? Would he lavishly thank him? My guess is no, he would not. And the story this morning that we find in scripture presents two obvious principles. Number one is it is the place of the ruler to rule. It is the place of the leader to lead. It is the place of the master to be the master. It is the place of the servant to serve. We see those two principles here very vividly in our text this morning. The ruler represents God and the servant represents us. God is the master and we are the servants. God is God, as we need to remind ourselves at time. God is God and we are not. God is, under, God is not under obligation to serve us, but we are under obligation to serve him. Often we get that flipped around. We think God's almighty, he's all powerful. We have this problem, he needs to meet our need immediately, he needs to serve us. But we are reminded, especially in this text, and we could find many others this morning, that, we are, that God is not under obligation to serve us, but we are under obligation to serve him. In Psalms, the sovereignty of God is on full display in uh, the verse that says, the earth is the Lord's and all that is in it, the world and those who live in it. This week I come across a quote from Pastor Brian Harbour when he writes, the God of the Bible is not a cosmic errand runner at our disposal who comes running every time we ring the bell. Let me read that again. The God of the Bible is not a cosmic errand runner at our disposal who comes running every time we ring the bell. God is sovereign and in charge. Our story today reminds us how we are to respond to a sovereign God. And that first reminder is that we are to serve him. In today's story, it wasn't the master who, meet, who met the needs of the servant. Instead, the servant was expected to meet the needs of his master. In the scripture, we find different words for service. One of the ones that's most uh, common that we use often is the word diakonos, which means servant. We, we get our um, service or our model of deacon from that word there in the New Testament, diakonos. But the word here for servant is doulos or doulo, which literally means slave. In your text in verse, uh, verse 10 and, and other verses, I think as well, but in verse 10, so you too, when you do all the things which you are commanded, you say we are unworthy servants. We are unworthy doulos, we are unworthy slaves, and we have done only that which we ought to have done. A slave had one agenda and, that agenda, and that was to find out what his master wanted him to do and then to do it. Our agenda as children of God is to determine what it is that God wants us to do and then to do it. We say that often. We talk about that in the life of our, of our own individual lives, our family, and we say that often for our church. It's been said more in the coming last, most recent weeks and months. What it is, what is it that God wants us to do? And may we be willing to do it. May we have the spirit of that hymn that we sang earlier, Here I am, Lord. We can paraphrase the famous statement made by John F. Kennedy in his inaugural address to say, Ask not what God can do for you, rather ask what you can do for God. I want to share with you two observations that can be drawn from this story this morning. It's only a few verses, but a lot can, we, can, we can see a lot here. The first observation is we are to serve God continually. We don't take a break. The servant in our story this morning came in from the field 
And we are asked in the story, would the master say to the servant, well, you sit down and let me serve you? No, the servant served continually. He served in the field and then he served in the home. It is the responsibility of a lifetime. We see this again in our story today. We serve God as Christians today in our homes. We serve God at work. We serve God at play, at recreation. We we serve God. It's not just something we do on Sundays or we do when our scoutmaster calls us to serve the community and pick up cans. It's not something that we do when we feel like it. It's not something we do when it's convenient, but it's a part of who we are. It's a part of our DNA as the children of God. We are his servants and we are to be reminded of that and not forget that. We are here to serve him. We never escape our responsibility to God. We are never released from our responsibility to serve God. In sickness and in health, in good times and in bad, in youth and in old age, we must serve God continually. But the second observation is we must serve God contentedly. Not only continually, but also contentedly. It's not enough to serve God faithfully. We must serve God with the right spirit. I love the end of verse 10. It says, we are unworthy slaves. We have done only what we ought to have done. Have you ever met those who are doing some area of service, whether it's in the church or community, only because they have to? I think we can all, let me relate it to maybe more personal, in the home. Stuff, ugly stuff and weird stuff and frustrating stuff has to be done. Dryers have to be fixed. I talked about that a few weeks ago. Or, uh, you know, stuff has to be cleaned. The dog messes up the, you know, who wants to clean that up? You know, but somebody's got to do it. Um, We serve at times because we have to. And then hopefully we serve at times because we want to. I want you to think about the differences between get to and got to and how we use those in everyday vernacular. We often say, I get to go on vacation. I get to go to the movies. I get to get off work early. Sometimes Heidi and Betsy can say that, or, or we can all say that. But I get to go uh, to the ball game. I get to go fishing. I get to go to uh, you know, whatever event, you know, musical or uh, event that, that you would wanna go to. Think about the times we use the term got to. And you can imagine that, I've gotta go to work. I've got to pay taxes. I've got to go to the dentist or the DMV. And forgive me for anyone that might work for the dentist or the DMV that's here this morning. Um, I've got to go to wash clothes. I've got to fix the tires. You know, and who wants to take the car to the mechanic? I mean, come on, you know, there's, you know, you just don't want to do those things. But we use the term, I've got to take the car to the mechanic. Isn't it great when we speak of serving God as something we get to do instead of something we got to do? Um, I can give testimony to that. There are times, and I would say 90-something percent of the time, I come to, to church in any area of service in the fact that I get to do this because I enjoy what I do. I enjoy ministering. Um, but there are times, and I think I can be honest, and hopefully you would be willing to do that as well, and say there are times when we say, I've got to do such and such. When we know we should have the attitude of, I get to do it, I should want to do it, But yet sometimes we unfortunately have to do what we need to do out of obligation because we know it's the right thing to do. Another New Testament story that plays into this theme this morning is that of James and his brother John. I don't know if you remember this story, but in one gospel it has them going to Jesus. In another gospel it has their mom 
their dad was Zebedee, or their, yeah, their dad was Zebedee, and it, in another gospel, it has their mom going to Jesus and saying, would you please grant that my sons, that one may sit on your right and one may sit on your left as we enter into the kingdom. These were boys that were used to having privilege. They were used to having a high place in society and, and a good mom wanted to see that in this coming kingdom that Jesus was talking about, that they would also have that place of importance as well. They held prominence in this world, again, and the mom wanted to see that in the next. But the question that I have this morning is, how is greatness measured in the kingdom of God? How is greatness measured in the kingdom of God? Jesus declared that it was by our service. In Mark 10, Jesus said, whoever wishes to be first among you, and here's that word again, must be slave of all. Whoever must be first, whoever wishes, desires to be first among you must be slave of all. The struggle is real, church. We need to hear the message from today's story. God is in charge and we are to be his servants, serving continually and with the right spirit. I want to begin to close today by mentioning three quotes first of which is by Martin Luther King Jr. Not only do I think about the significance of that day a couple weeks ago, but as we move into a month that um, has been given the title Black History Month, I, I couldn't help but think of this quote as well. Everybody can be great, he says, because anybody can serve. You don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't have to make your subject and verb agree to serve. You only need a heart full of grace, a soul generated by love. Mother Teresa says this. She says, at the end of life, you will not be judged by how many diplomas we have received, how much money we have made, how many great things that we have done. We'll be judged by, we will be judged by, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was naked and you clothed me. I was homeless and you took me in. Last quote direct, relates directly to um, our Boy Scouts. Uh, I don't know if, Daryl, you recognize the name Robert Baden-Powell, 100 years ago, the founder of who started the scouting movement. And um, again, he was a man who founded the, the scout movement. He was a soldier, a national hero, an educator, and a prolific writer. And he said these words, we must change boys from what can I get to, to a what can I give attitude. What can I get to a what can I give attitude. And I'm grateful that our scouts have adopted that attitude. It's not about what can I get out of scouts, but it's what can I offer? What can I give to my family, to my community? What can I give back to society? Is that the essence of scouting? This morning, I have a question as I begin to close. Is your relationship with God based on what you can get from him? Or is it how can I more faithfully serve the one who is in charge? The one who has shown me, who has shown the world what service to God looks like. Jesus is our ultimate example of what service looks like. Jesus is our ultimate example of someone who puts God on the throne and realizes Jesus himself said at times when he was asked by James and John, these were not for me to decide, these are for my father. Jesus knew who was in charge. 
you and I know that in our heart of hearts as well. And I feel like today's message, uh, it certainly hit home with me and I hope it hits home with you as well. We need to be reminded of our place in the bigger picture. God is God, we are not. Are we pursuing him? Are we following him? Are we confessing when we realize when we've messed up? You know, later this month, we have a special service in the life of the church called Ash Wednesday when we begin the season of Lent. And the, the meaning behind that day is a day where we can, if we haven't done it recently, where we can come together with other believers and realize that from ashes we came and from ashes we will return. And when we think about the big picture of God and our place in the world, we can't but help be reminded of his love and of his sovereignty, of his grace. As we said last Sunday, he created it all, he owns it all, and we are to be obedient children, to be servants of our Most High God. How are you doing this morning? Have you given God or have you uh, allowed God to have that proper place in your life? Is he in charge or do you feel like more days you're in charge? Will you allow him from this day moving forward to be in charge of your life? Let's pray together. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that when we open it up, it challenges us, it moves us, it stirs us in ways that no other book or no other uh, thing can. Lord, you, you speak to us through your word. You speak to us through friends and through circumstances, through experiences that we have along the way in life. God, I pray that this morning we would all adopt the attitude that we get to serve you. And it's not that we've, we've got to go to church or we've got to do this, we've got to do that. But Lord, as we're pursuing and growing in our relationship with you, I pray that that spirit of we get to do this, these things, we get to honor your kingdom and to help build your kingdom. Lord, I pray that you would stir us and you would move us. Lord, if we are not at a place, um, a healthy place with you this morning, Lord, I pray that we would do the needed work as we stand and as we sing, whether we, uh, some may need to pray in their pew, some may be welcomed and encouraged to come to the altar to do that. But Lord, I pray that we would put you in your proper place today. And we would be reminded that you are God and that we are your servants. Father, stir us and move us in ways that speak to us, in ways that we need to be spoken to. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're here today and you've never put your faith and trust in Christ and you need to respond to that love, that awesome, unconditional love that God has for you, I would encourage you to come and talk with me about how you can know Jesus and how you can become a Christian today. If you're here today and to seek renewal uh, with the Lord, I encourage you to pursue that. And if you're here today and desire membership at Boiling Springs Baptist Church, the altar is open and I would be welcome and glad to receive you. Let's stand and sing together number 658, Let Your Heart Be Broken. Let's stand together.
just want to encourage the church family to speak to some of our scouts and their families before you leave today. And guys, thank you for being with us this morning and uh, leading us uh, at the beginning here of the service and for all that you do to serve uh, the community. Let me remind all of us that uh, this afternoon there's a study at five o'clock. And let me say that we do have a, just a few that uh, we're wrapping up the devotional uh, project that uh, Bowling Springs Baptist is working on. And so there's a few that if you haven't turned in your devotion, please do so today. And uh, th that will be wrapped up and hopefully those will be available again later this month as we move in and begin preparing uh, for Easter. It's good to see each of you here this morning. Uh, let's close in a word of prayer. And again, just encourage you to speak to some that you haven't spoken to before you leave. God, we thank you for um, Jesus and his example of service. Lord, as we leave this place today, help us to go forth and to serve others as you would have us to meeting needs, Father, so that all may come to know you as Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.